Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. More content coming up on this edition from the Faith Radio Meeting House Broadcast Center at Unite 2018, presented by CBA, the Association for Christian Retail. Christian musical artist and author Plumb visited with me and discussed her new book, Exploring the Mother-Daughter Relationship. Plus, I had a chance to speak recently with author and entertainment attorney Mark Maxwell, who shifts the focus from the concept of networking to a biblical concentration on serving. Then, more from CBA Unite, where I spoke with David Evans. He's a filmmaker anticipating the release of his latest work, spotlighting the lives of a military chaplain and his wife. And coming up on this edition of The Intersection, more conversation from the CBA convention. Julie Wilkerson Close has had the opportunity to view the Ministry of Teen Challenge firsthand. Her father and uncle founded the organization, which is celebrating 60 years. You'll be getting her perspective. Also, I had a chance to talk with another filmmaker who's involved in a movie that portrays a journalist who has the chance to interview someone who is, well, from a very high place. Some comments ahead from Harrison Powell. Finally, from the Parents Television Council, Tim Witter provides relevant commentary about indiscretions that emerge on social media, which cause concern, deservedly so. But the content that some in the entertainment industry produce for consumers is quite objectionable. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House, and I'm Bob Crittenden. Plum is a Christian musical artist as well as an author. She's released the book, Fight for Her, Even If You Have to Fight Her. It's related to the mother-daughter relationship, and it's her intent to provide some insight that can be helpful for a variety of relationships. From the Faith Radio Meeting House Broadcast Center at Unite 2018, this is Plum. Well, she was between the age of two and three, somewhere in oh. there where they're driving you a little nuts. <laughs> and she's got her not two. Not the terrible twos. No, no definitely I, not. Honestly, I, I beg to differ. It's like the terrible threes, honestly. <laughs> I feel like threes are harder. Yeah. Um, but she was just fighting with me over a pair of shoes that I was trying to get her to put on to get out to her, her car seat. And I had a number. I mean, my behavior with her was no different than this moment, except that I said, uh, I mean, I forced her to put the pair of shoes on that I had chosen, got her into her car seat on time because she was making us late. She was having a bad attitude. And I said, I, and she was kicking and screaming. And I said, I'll fight for you, even if I have to fight you. And as mm. soon as it came out of my mouth, I knew that's a book one day. And here it is. Wow. So at what age was she when you actually either began to write the book or released the uh, book? I started there... writing the book uh, just a little over a year ago. So yeah. she was eight um, and she's now turning 10. So it was uh, over a year or so. So how have things, you know, obviously they grow up and they have different actions and emotions and such. What, what have you found now to be some of the, the challenges that you're facing? Well, you know, I will say this, that I originally, when I said that to her and, and said to myself, that's a book one day, um, in my mind, that was a mother daughter book to put out and inspired by my role as a daughter, having had a mother that was willing to fight with me, even if that meant, you know, or fight for me, even if that meant fighting with me. And that's how I've been parenting my daughter. However, as soon as I got into it, I realized, nope, this is a book for all daughters. Um, we've all been fought for. We all need to know that we've been fought for. And we also know, we need to know how to fight. And so my, my, the way my mother parented me and how I'm parenting my daughter was inspiration for the book. The book is for all women and it's to revolutionize the way we communicate with each other. 
Well, and something very interesting when you talk about this concept, as you said to your daughter when she was very young, that you would fight for her even if you have to fight her. Right. So the, it sounds like to me that the cornerstone principle is that that daughter needs to know that you would fight for her. Yeah. First, because if you've got the other component right. without the knowledge that she is loved unconditionally and that you are for her, right. then it sounds like the other component's not going to work out Yeah, it's well. not. it's not a book about just being combative, but it's a matter of... Um, women in general, not just if you have a daughter or if you ever have a daughter. My daughter, God started using her in my life when I was 16. There was a little girl's voice that I would mm. hear. And, you know, years and years and years later, I met her and I realized, okay, this this dream has come to life now. It wasn't just something I was imagining. God was really using her to kind of help navigate me because he knew that that was something that would motivate me when I was too selfish to be obedient on my own. And um, And so after she was born... Something that the, the calling in my life for women really came alive. And so that's part of the inspiration for that is that women are comparison, they're jealous, they're catty, they gossip, and, and I'm one of them. And so I feel like it's not about being combative, it's about how do you get motivated by the Holy Spirit and speak truth and love to each other and are willing to risk having a little conflict, maybe having a fight, standing up to someone because you're standing up for them. Um, how do you do that without completely destroying the relationship? And sometimes, you know, I, I'll be honest, sometimes there are some relationships that have to be pruned away. Sometimes the truth that you need to speak, that the Lord's prompting you to speak, they need to hear. And if they, they cut that relationship off from you, if it's a friendship per se, um, the Lord will still use that and honor your efforts of obeying him. My mother fought with me and was not, my mom cared more about my holiness than my happiness. She was mm. willing to, wow, to not good. be friends with me. So it's, it's about, again, it's not just about being combative, but we just, we're, we're walking on eggshells around each other. And we have women that are living out dangerous, destructive, exploited lives because they don't have real friends that are willing to say, hey, I love you so much that I'm willing to tell you the truth that what you're doing or saying or wearing or where you're going or how you're carrying yourself isn't glorifying to the Lord. It's not the path that we we see each other on. And again, some of that's, you've got to kind of be able to balance whether something's your opinion or if it's really motivated by the Holy Spirit. And when it's motivated by the Holy Spirit, there's usually a little bit of take a big deep breath kind of moment, but the Lord will give you the words. He'll give you the compassion. He'll give you the composure to be able to sit down and have coffee with that girl. And it starts there. It starts having a relationship mm. with somebody. Plum here on the intersection. Learn more through the website Plum, P-L-U-M-B, music.net. Next up on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's entertainment attorney and college professor Mark Maxwell. In a recent conversation with me, he discussed a Christian approach to building relationships, especially in the business climate, as he lays out in the book called Networking Kills, Success Through Serving. Here now is Mark Maxwell. I've had so many conversations with students who are, who are so repulsed by the idea. They, they just feel like it's uh, self, you know, self-focused, that it's uh, uh, kind of slimy and, and, and just not the right way they want to approach relationships. And it's funny because it, I find that, you know, a lot of students will enter college and from the very first day of class, they hear that. If you want to find a job on graduation, you better start networking now. Same with the, a lot of the students I, I teach or want to be involved in the music industry or they want to become recording artists or songwriters, and they hear the same thing. 
it's you know it's not what you know it's who you know and and they sort of get pushed into this this corner of thinking that's the only way to find success in their lives they don't really like it but they sort of say well i guess it's part of what i have to do to succeed and so over the years of just having coffee with students and talking with them through these kinds of things I just sort of said, well, you know what, let's, let's say, what does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about how we are to build relationships and treat others? And I think networking is um, completely, completely the opposite of what Jesus teaches. You know, Christ taught us that if you want to be great, if you want to be a leader, you must become a servant. Well, a servant is someone who gives their life away, gives their time away, who's uh, sacrificial and generous and it's quite the opposite of what the world's telling us about building relationships and success. So that's sort of the, hmm. a lecture I've, I've given in a number of my classes and, and, and on, the, on the campus and, and continue just to hear what a relief that is. And so many students resonate with it. And I said, you're right. You know? um, and the, the idea is that you know, we all need relationships. We all need collaboration to be successful. But it's about your heart. You know? Are you meeting people or connecting with people with people? for your own purposes, mm. or are you meeting and connecting with people to give them something, to give them something of value, to, to serve them? And that's really the question. I think it comes down to where, where, how you're approaching these relationships. Sure. The thought occurs to me, it's not the relationship. Obviously, relationships are very important, but what you're saying is it's the nature of the relationships that, that the viewpoint needs to be altered from this maybe a, a more self-serving approach to a selfless approach to people. So you really, in the book, as I understand it, you contrast this concept of networking with the biblical concept of serving. Exactly. That's it. You know, and for me, I, I've made my share of mistakes, you know, as, a, uh, as an attorney, as a business person over the years. And I think I've, I've, I've learned from my own errors. You know, years ago, I went to a big convention in Texas for the sole purpose of gaining a lot of new clients for my law practice. And uh, I handed out business cards, spent a lot of time, a lot of money there, shook a lot of hands, did all those things. And I came back, waited for the telephone to ring, and it was crickets. You know, no one called. I didn't get a single client from that investment. Mm. And I just felt like the Lord said to me, what were you doing there? You know, did you, as you were there, did you, uh, did you really care about anybody else? Were you seeking to mm. find someone who was lonely or who was hurting and encouraging them in their business? And, and, or, or were you just focused on yourself? I was like, boy, I, it was all about me. And I felt like the Lord showed me that's why you didn't get any clients. That's, you know, you, you've got to change your idea about going to an event, you know, you, you've got to go uh, to bring value to other people's lives. You don't go just to see what you can selfishly get for yourself. And so that was a real hard lesson for me. And I've continued to see that play out in my career. And I think that's what God calls us to. It's, it's always be on the lookout for those that we can give to, you know, and, and asking yourself the question, am I asking this person out to lunch um, so I can benefit from them? Or am I asking them out to lunch because I want to give them something? I want to do something for them. I want to pray for them, encourage them in some way. I think that's always the question we need to ask on a daily basis. And the thing about that is God blesses that, you know, and, you know, the whole spiritual principle of planting and harvesting as we give and as we sow in other people's lives. That doesn't mean we're going to get necessarily money back or something back from that, but God has that principle in our lives, and he always takes care of us as, as we sow and as we give. He sows and gives back into us. And so that's a, it's, a, it's just a, it's a safe way to live. It's a way you can entrust your business 
Um, it, it's a way you can tr entrust your, your relationships. Uh, it's the way you can trust your plans in the entertainment industry and all those different areas. Mark Maxwell here on The Intersection. Learn more at the website markhmaxwell.com. Next up, from the Faith Radio Meeting House Broadcast Center at CBA Unite 2018, it's David Evans, director and co-producer of the movie Indivisible. He shared about the concepts contained within the story of the real-life military couple portrayed in the film and what's being communicated in the movie. From that conversation, this is David Evans. Ever since uh, I did a passion play years ago about a chaplain, uh, a, um, a fictional story about a chaplain, I would lend our a modern-day story in with the story of Jesus' life every year in our passion play. But uh, shortly after the grace card, I, I God put it in my heart to tell a story about a chaplain and kind of educate people about what it means to be a chaplain and what a chaplain's role is in our nation's military. And I came across a story of, of a chaplain whose marriage essentially was was destroyed as a result of his deployment. And, and it was a story about how after he returned home, after, after a 15-month deployment and his marriage had fell, fallen apart, he and his wife had separated, about how God brought restoration to their marriage and intrigued me so much that we know about the divorce rates in the military and, and how staggering those numbers can be, but I never thought about it happening to a chaplain who's like the pastor to the troops. So my wife and I made contact with this couple, and we traveled uh, to meet them and said, God, God, I believe, brought us together and wants us to tell your, your story. The chaplain, obviously, his challenges, his marital challenges that occurred, the, the, the immense pressures, I mean, the burdens that these people that minister to our troops have, it can yeah. certainly take a toll. What were some of the, the factors that that they told you about or that you wanted to portray here in this film that, sure. that really contributed to this uh, these challenges? Yeah, well, well, one is just, you know, the, the separation from your family. Of course, now with technology, we have FaceTime and, and uh, ways that, that families can now see each other through, through the Internet, although it's spotty even today, for example, in Iraq and Afghanistan. But, hmm. but just the separation from your family and on top of that, the toll that it takes on, on a chaplain just with person after person bringing their needs to them, you know, asking for prayer, asking for advice, the, the loss of life that, that of course, was that ch our chaplain, Darren Turner, faced on the front lines the, the, it, during the uh, surge in troops in Iraq that happened back in 2007. But just the loss of life, the, the, uh, the separation from family, and just, again, dealing with those issues that, that, that our troops are faced with during mm. a deployment, you know, he, he was so he was so in tune with taking care of of those problems for the for the men and women serving around him that he then began to neglect his relationship with his own wife and family. Well, I don't want to go into too much detail about how God really healed the marriage because that's really the the subject matter to right. a large extent right. are, are included uh -huh. in the subject matter of the film, but. If you could just relate maybe a couple of principles that this military chat, well, I say military couple, that, that mm -hmm. would be accurate. Sure. They sure. experienced as far as God's restoration. Yeah. One, one principles. of the things we, we set out to do is to try to do, uh, you know, do honor for our troops by making a film that was a realistic portrayal of both what the troops are facing during their deployment 
and what the husbands and wives who are left at home to raise the children, uh, issues that they're facing. So, for example, um, we highlight the family readiness group. For example, the wives back at home are, are, are part of an incredible team so that there is, if there is a life uh, tragically that is lost during the deployment, there's a team of, of, um, of, of husbands and wives, the family readiness group, group that's hmm. there to support that person in the event of, of a tragedy like that. So we highlight that. We highlight, um, again, how, how the chaplain uh, works together with, with the men and women he's serving with to make those connections at home. If he knows uh, about a broken relationship, if he knows about a mom or dad who, who needs help, we show some great examples through the different relationships that unfold during the the, the, the course of the film that I think anybody can relate with. Whether you're part of the military or not, there is something in this story that's going to speak to your listeners. David Evans here on The Intersection. The movie's website is indivisiblemovie.com. Well, this is The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can learn more through the website meetinghouseonline.info or go to the programming section when you visit faithradio.org. At the homepage, you'll find a link to the media center marked Meeting House On Demand, through which you can listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection podcast. You can also subscribe to the Intersection and have it delivered to your podcast receiving software, including iTunes, on a weekly basis. The Intersection podcast is also available through the Faith Radio app. Learn more at faithradio.org. Also, through the Meeting House homepage, you can get connected to two blogs. One is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House. The other is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. You can also follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. You can also get connected to video content, including recently added content from CBA Unite 2018. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. More from the 2018 CBA Unite event now. It's Julie Wilkerson Close. Her father and uncle founded Teen Challenge. She discussed some aspects of the history of the ministry, which she outlines in the book, Giving Hope and Address, The Teen Challenge Legacy Story. From that conversation, this is Julie Close. I read in the introduction of my book how um, I'm a follower of Christ because of the ministry of Teen Challenge, because of, I grew up with a great spiritual foundation with my parents, but it was because of the testimonies that came out of Teen Challenge. As a young girl, I witnessed the miraculous transformation of men and women um, changed because they found Jesus Christ at Teen Challenge and their stories of addiction and crime and it was their testimonies that m- really impacted me and I follow Christ because of of their stories. Talk about the founding of this particular ministry. People may have you know some sort of idea about about how this came to be. What but what from from your knowledge, your experience, what what you've seen? Well, you know, the founding is is really if people want to um, take a look. You know, my uncle had a best-selling book called The Cross and Switchblade, and, and the founding was based on his story of going to New York City to help gang members. Gang, It was in 1958, and gangs in New York City, um, and were um, he wanted to minister to the gangs, and there was a particular story of a boy who died named Michael Farmer, and um, he wanted to reach the boys that were being convicted for um, the death of Michael Farmer, and he had a burden to reach these gangs, and why they would go and, and 
and be violent and kill this boy like Michael Farmer. And he, um, you know, you would think that it would be a strange story to see a man being burdened by the ones who were, um, you know, violent and did this horrendous crime but my uncle was called to the gangs of New York City and so and through that through his through being called to New York City he eventually was saw the heart of what was going on in New York City and was called to those for because there's a transition that happened in the course of my book and the Cross the Switchblade. Um, there was the gangs, but then drugs were mm. making a scene in New York City in the inner cities, and um, gang members were, you know, changing their they were exchanging their switchblades for drugs, and they were starting to not be involved in gangs because they were addicted to drugs, and um, so it kind of evolved. You know, his burden and reaching. Um, people in New York City evolved from ministering to gang members to ministering to those with drug addiction. And that's exactly how my father's story comes into play because he helped him. Um, and I share the story of how he was there from the very beginning. And many people don't know the story of my father, Don Wilkerson, and um, how he came alongside my uncle and helped in founding this ministry. So tell me about the role that your father played. Well, he there's eight years difference between my my uncle, David Wilkerson, who of course, now he's passed on mm-hmm. in 2011, and, um, and he was in Bible school. And while my uncle was in the streets of New York and ministering, and basically my uncle called him to help him um, in the streets. And my father wanted to be a pastor. He, his dad was a pastor, and um, he didn't think that, that his calling was the streets of New York City. But through the course of my book, you'll find that he realized that God was calling him to the streets of New York. Um, and it was a very different calling than my uncle. They were two very different people with two very different personalities and two very different giftings. But I think what you'll find is the the unique thing about Teen Challenge founding is that God used my uncle to found it, and then he gave him a larger stage to tell others about the transforming power of Jesus Christ and um, to witness to people because drugs were, and as we know today, Mm. they spread from throughout besides the inner city they went outside of the inner city and they touched the suburbs and he you know was warning people that he had a powerful message but my father was really the pastor role of teen challenge and discipling these men and women who were in the program and he he's kind of had the title of father um over the course of the years as someone who really discipled these people and was there in 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 the um trenches of Teen Challenge and was the director of the program for many, many years. And then he went on later on in life and he um, established Global Teen Challenge in 1995. Julie Close here on The Intersection. You can find out more by going to the website julieclose.com. Next on this edition of The Intersection Podcast, it's Harrison Powell. He manages Giving Films and is co-producer of the upcoming film, An Interview with God, scheduled to be in theaters August 20th through 22nd. In our conversation, he talked about the concept of the film, the cast, and what he would want audiences to receive from the movie. From that conversation, this is Harrison Powell. Well, I think one of the, one of the big messages is this person is having a and it can be you know you can look at it as a um just as a metaphor but this person is having a conversation with god and part of a conversation it's it's a two-way street it's it's both listening and talking and when it comes to prayer a majority of us like to talk and not listen um and so that at least for me was a great encouragement just as we 
pray and as we go through our day, we're usually so busy and so um, it's so action packed that there's very little time for reflection, for listening, for being still. Um, and then on the other side, as it relates to conversation, um, you know, it, it, we want people to leave the, the theater comfortable and excited to really put some of those tough questions on the table. I think, um, I think right now uh, many people either feel like they should already have the answers. I think a lot, of the, a lot of us have these questions that we wish we could ask God or questions around faith, around God, around life. Um, and, and unfortunately, a lot of people feel like they either should already have the answers, um, they should know the answers, or they're just too afraid to put them on the table and really discuss them. And so within the church and within, you know, the Christian, um, within Christianity, we want to encourage people just to, to be okay um, discussing some of these, you know, wonderful questions around, around God, around salvation, around life. Um, and we think that that could foster not only great conversation, but hopefully encourage people in their faith and encourage people, regardless of where they are on the spiritual spectrum, ultimately bringing them closer to God. I think one area of of questions or one area of interaction with this character would no doubt be on the theological level. Some of these these difficult theological questions that that this reporter might be asking, but there's also a, an area of well, how does this affect me? How does it apply to me? And it sounds like that you've got a reporter here who has some some difficulties in his life, and he's really looking for answers. So it seems like that the application category of, of questions would also be really important. Is, is God someone with whom we can trust with our lives? And is, you know, is he someone that can address or who can address these deep-seated issues we may be facing? Exactly. So not only uh, it's interesting uh, because what you just explained is 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 really uh, how these three interviews unfold. So Paul starts off just asking the basic theological questions, but very quickly it gets very personal. And I think through that we realize God is a personal God, and we each have very personal questions that we're uh, and personal issues that we're struggling through. Um, so yes, there is some great application, um, really answering the question, how, how should we live? Like, what, what should yeah. we do? What's our purpose? Um, why do bad things happen to me? Why do bad things happen to my family? Um, how do you, how do you wrestle with that? How do you find peace in that? How do you, um, be okay? It's sometimes okay with ambiguity. You, you might not have direction and you might be in a, in a tough spot in life. So how, how can you find peace in those moments? Uh, so yes, it, it, it's really fun how each of these three interviews unfolds around starting high level, starting theological, and then moving to personal and moving to uh, application. For the Christian audience, is this a film that is designed mainly to raise questions or to actually provide answers? Does it actually approach some of these matters of faith from a from a Christian perspective, or are you are you interested in in stimulating questions really for people across the board? Well, Does that's that a sense? great question. So we. Um... We ensured and spent a lot of time at the script ensuring that this script is in line with Christian theology and with a Christian viewpoint. 
But it, what I love about the script is it's written in a way that regardless of where you are um, in, in your faith or an audience member who might not have faith at all, it's written in a way where it's approachable and it's entertaining and it's engaging. And so um, our hope is at the end of it, um, if you are a Christian and if you do have a belief in Christ, um, your faith will be strengthened. Um, but also if, if you're if you're not, um, you might be um, more open, more curious, more interested in exploring more. Harrison Powell here on The Intersection. Learn more at the website, aninterviewwithgod.com. Finally, here on this edition of The Intersection Podcast, it's Tim Winter. He serves as president of the Parents Television Council. And in our recent conversation, he discussed the exposure of past tweets by some in the entertainment industry, transpiring while broadcast networks continue to produce objectionable programming. Some commentary now from a recent conversation. This is Tim Winter. Let's go back to a standpoint of principle. These tweets are reprehensible. They are unacceptable at any time. And so people who who speak those words need to be held to account, and that needs to be a similar standard across, at least for the Roseanne Barr situation. uh, You know, that just like so many of these other uh, situations, it affects not just that one person, but also the cast, the crew, the writers, the directors, the producers, the the people, the cameramen, I mean, everybody all the way up and down the whole entire television show, at least with Roseanne. ABC has made, I think, a very good decision to write her out of the show but bring the show itself back on, rename it so it's not named after her. So at least the, the, the show can go on and carry forward in a way that, it, we, by the way, we liked the show. It was free of graphic sex, violence, and profanity. It was a show that most families could watch together without being concerned of, of the sucker punch of explicit material. So we applaud ABC for taking the step to keep a family-friendly show on the air, writing out the person who said what she said, but continuing it on with others. That's what they were going to be doing with Guardians of the Galaxy by getting a new director. And, you know, that's what they should be doing. Now we even have here in Hollywood the president of CBS, Les Moonves, who's being now accused of, of unwanted sexual advances, sexual harassment, and irresponsible conduct uh, uh, 20, 30 you know, years ago. And, and the CBS board is now having to weigh what do we do with the Les Moonves situation. The, what's interesting is... These, these same people who are now calling for protection or special treatment of these people in a, good, in a good way are the very same people who denounce those whom they disagree with, especially politically. You cannot, uh, a parent, um, be there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every moment of every day, and, and be there you know, with a shotgun in front of the TV set or in front of their cell phone even. Um, you know, now you have um, content that uh, during the Me Too movement here in Hollywood – uh, content that asks us to be entertained by and laugh at and be amused by the very same horrific behavior that we're trying to hold these people publicly accountable for. You can't, um, you can't condone um, a person here in Hollywood or anywhere in, in, in humanity um, having an inappropriate uh, uh, you know, sexual issue with, with children Yet, when you turn on television, you have um, jokes about, you know, adults having sexual relationships with children. It, it's, it's, so, it's so hypocritical, and like you said, it's the, the most toxic impact is on families across, it's the millions of families across America who tune into television and other media thinking they're going to be entertained, and uh, the entertainment comes to them in the form of, of 
depictions and descriptions uh, in much oftentimes in humor, uh, joking about this this very same reprehensible uh, human con- conduct that um, that we should we should abhor. Well, and when we think about the Disney camp, the the Disney family of of networks and companies, of course, ABC Television Network is owned by Disney. In fact, there was a study that Parents Television Council did, and it was an examination. And this is you know, over two years ago, 2016, in February through May of 2016, and the champion as far as objectionable type of programs in what would be considered to be family are programs that depict families, ABC far and away in the number of offensive instances. That's right. We, um, we, we conducted the study to see not just how much explicit content and dialogue uh, was being spoken, but how much of it was being spoken by the children themselves. And ABC led the way, sadly, in a category that they should have been the best in as opposed to the worst. And they had uh, the largest number of language used by child and teenage characters. Um, and and I, I, I don't even, I, I would never even speak Thank the you. words that, to you on, I, on I the radio. I appreciate that. Thank that you. These, the, the children were speaking on television uh, on shows marketed as family-friendly comedies, sitcoms, and rated by the networks as, a pr- as appropriate for even young children to view. Tim Witter here on The Intersection. Find out more through the website parentstv.org. Well, thanks for joining me for this edition of The Intersection Podcast, the weekly production of The Meeting House. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info or go to the programming section at faithradio.org. When you visit the Meeting House homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center through which you could listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on the podcast. You can also subscribe to the Intersection and have it delivered to your podcast receiving software, including iTunes, on a weekly basis. The podcast is also available through the Faith Radio app. Learn more when you visit faithradio.org. And at the Meeting House homepage, you can find links to two blogs, One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. The other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. You can also follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. There's also a link through which you can access video content. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info or go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Thanks for joining me for this edition of The Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.